0: We are still in the middle of a pandemic, and it may not feel that way to you based on things that you see on TV or even if you're out and about, but we are. And we still need to take those safety measures to make sure that we're not making it worse. Cindy Lofton is a nurse, and she joins me this week to talk about what she has seen from day one when COVID hit up until now. And she also talks about the other incredible nurses that have just... been giving their heart and soul to help combat this awful disease and what we can do to help re-energize them. What happens when you put a career-focused woman with two kids trying to balance home and work life in a room with a microphone? Lots of laughter, tears, and great advice. I'm Jill Devine and welcome to Two Kids and a Career. I believe this might be a first for this podcast, but especially the timing of all of this with COVID and what we've been experiencing. And I can't believe that, well, I guess I can believe we're still talking about it in July, July 1st, actually. Um, I I had heard different rumors, but I'm going to ask my guest about that today. But I need to take a big breath before I I give my guests uh, (laughs) accolades because she has a lot. Cindy Lefton is joining me. First of all, hello. How are you? Hello there, Jill. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. You're so welcome. You are a frontline care provider ER nurse in St. Louis. You are the pro bono director of research for the DAISY Foundation and you're also the Vice President of Organizational Consulting at Psychological Associates, which is a St. Louis consulting company that applies behavioral science to business performance. That's a lot. You're a very important person, aren't you, Cindy? <laughs> well,
1: that's very nice in you to say that, but um, I'm just a person. I'm a person. A per-
0: a, a happy person doing a lot of stuff and a lot of good things. And so when I just said, this is my first, this is the first that I have a representative on, a professional on talking about our nurses and something. I've said this so many times before, I'll say it again right now. Um, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I wouldn't have gotten through my births of my two daughters and the recovery without some of the nurses that I had. The just extraordinary care and compassion. And then when I think about some of the uh, surgeries I've had just even outpatient stuff, just the care and compassion there too. I mean, nurses do not get the credit. I I put them in the same category, in a different category um, as far as, well, in the same category as teachers, I guess I should say, that the thankfulness is not always there. And until you actually experience it, and you really get it, and make a difference with your life, with a nurse and even a teacher, then you get it. Do you hear that often about it being such a thankless job?
1: Well, um, not. It's a, it's it's an interesting question that you ask because uh, the nurse will say, "I'm just doing my job because mm-hmm. that's what we do," but many people like yourself and your experiences, and thank you very much for for that accolade about your labor and delivery nurses. And but people will say those things to us. And that's really sort of the whole, you know, genesis of the Daisy Foundation, that it started when a family had a very significant loss and it was very tragic. And as the family was deciding how do they navigate the new the world without um, their loved one Patrick, who was 33 at the time that he passed away, very unexpectedly, and uh, over a, a very quick eight week time period, and a six week old baby at home at the time. So it, it was just yeah, it was just all things that were could be bad in someone's life. That's what happened to this family, and as they were trying to figure out, well, how do they go through life now without a son, a husband, a father? they came up with a way to say thank you for to nurses for the extraordinary work that they do. And so this one family out in, who live out in a little town called Glen Ellen, California, just north of Sonoma, they are really nurses, best cheerleaders. And the Daisy Award is in over 4,000 hospitals across the globe. And it's a way for patients and their families to say thank you to nurses because we're not very good at doing it ourselves. Oh, well, I, I think a lot of people are probably
0: wanting to give lots of Daisy Awards considering what's going on right now. I, we have seen so many doctors and nurses post things on social media with their bruised faces mm-hmm. from the mask. We've seen them post about the tragedy that they've had to witness with isolation and calling individuals families to let them know that their loved one has passed or they don't have much time and it's just devastating and so how has this been on you on your coworkers? talk to me about what you're experiencing I mean I can't
1: even imagine well I think um I've um, been involved with emergency nursing on a national level. So I look at a lot of the websites and Facebook pages. There's a couple that are specific to nurses. And certainly the Emergency Nurses Association has done a really great job, as is the American Association of Critical Care Nurses and the American Organization of Nurse Leaders. And they have just been gangbusters, you know, trying to stay on top of it and provide us with resources to make it through. And I, you know, there's others, but those are three that stick out in my mind because this happened so fast and that they were putting resources up. I mean, as fast as they possibly could so that we could share information with one another to know what was going on. But it's, it's been hard because some of these patients have, have been so sick and they don't look like the usual sick patients that, that we take care of. And You've heard a lot in the news about these 30- and 40-year-olds having strokes and, and all of a sudden people who aren't diabetic developing diabetes and, and people who have no lung problems all of a sudden can't breathe. And that's, that's, you know, been a lot because, you know, remember the age of a lot of these nurses is about the same age as some of these patients. And mm-hmm. so that's, that adds a whole nother dynamic in there too. And um, we, we miss the families. So, but I've seen amazing things that have happened with the On the websites and and certainly a lot of the stories coming in through the daisy foundation of nurses doing extraordinary things like pulling out their own cell phone because the patient couldn't remember the phone number of their parents because they've been in a coma for 10 days my gosh give me a
0: couple more give me some more positive accolades i
1: I think one of the, the things that i saw to me and i might even burst into tears as i start to say this was Uh, because it was so moving to me, was, you know, the the family could not go in the room. And so there is a nurse holding the patient who is passing away. And this was actually on one of the nurse websites. So the nurse is holding the patient's hand. Another nurse is holding the first nurse's hand. And they're like a chain out to the door and holding a family member's hand. So that way, you know that it could be <laughs> and it's you know it's 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 things like that that just um you know make we we have risen to the occasion i mean we're i think that we, what's so weird about this is that we're a little bit behind the rest of the world because nurses and doctors, and our and our wonderful environmental services staff, and our our folks in dietary, and all of them. I mean, they deserve as much credit as we do because they've shown up and too. And everybody, you know, we've been going to work, so we haven't. And then we go home and we you know social isolate and stuff like that, but we've been going to work and not going to work is really weird because then all that stuff to, starts to creep back in your mind. So mm. I I think that as this, you know, moves forward and things start to creep back into people's minds because a lot of, you know, nursing is predominantly women, although we do have wonderful male nurses, it's, you know, creating a situation where there's so many people who have been homeschooling and you work and then you homeschool. I mean, everybody else has been doing that too, but we're just a little bit behind that eight game because we've been working.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question to you is besides, Being there and seeing what you're seeing and some of the devastating things that you're witnessing, you also have to think about your family and Mm -hmm. how that's impacting you and all the nurses. I mean, I know that there are some nurses that have said, this is too much for my kids. I don't want to put them at risk and they are living apart. I I just can't even imagine
1: well, I mean, you're right. And, you know, again, you know, if you look at the demographics of, of nurses, I mean, it tends to be younger people who are in their child rearing years. And so in the beginning, when there was so much that we, we didn't know, and, um, you know, that, that it's like, well, okay, so you're seeing these people going home to their, to their children, and we have, we have nurses that are pregnant. We have male nurses who have pregnant wives at home, so th- that's all over the country so it was tough it, it 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 was tough to because nobody wanted to infect their family. I have an eighty nine year old father, and it was really difficult to you know put my arms around not being able to to see him and 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 just that ice- is- isolation let's talk about I am
0: going to ask you your opinion on COVID and where we are now and even in the next six months. But before we dive into that, I want to talk about the nurses. And you recently spoke about extraordinary nurses and the need for meaningful recognition and just things that are going on right now. We need hope. We need positivity. Can you lead me into that a little bit.
1: Sure. Um, I think the the best definition that I've seen of hope comes from an oncologist, a physician that takes care of patients that have cancer. And his name is Jerome Gropeman. And he defined hope as the elevating feeling we experience when we see in the mind's eye a path to a better future. Now, a lot of people will go, oh, that's soft and fluffy. Well, no, it's not. I mean, as an organizational psychologist, it's very goal-directed. It involves success, so it's, it's outcome-oriented. And it, it's, it's not fluffy. It's, you're talking about somebody who's dealt with a lot of people who have a difficult diagnosis and how do they navigate through that. So this wasn't created in some you know theoretical space. This was created with real people going through significant challenges. And that really resonates with me because what you know what have we invented to to this point I mean carry out how many these restaurants in such short time you know just blew up their business model and created this, these you know, coffee shops, the grocery stores, I, everybody was spinning on dimes. There wasn't a game plan for this. It was just people getting out there and trying, communicating. It seems like a lot of communication was happening on social media. And then the world starts to open up in a a safe way because people at the grocery stores now have plastic and some people are wearing masks. and, And I say some because that's really important. Everybody needs to wear a mask, right? Online
0: shopping definitely increased. When the pandemic hit. And you probably didn't realize that you can shop for real estate online. Yep, if you go to blondinrealestate.com, you can search listings, you can book a private showing, you can schedule a consultation with a blondin' real estate advisor. The video tours of the homes I mean, I can just sit on the computer and just dream all day long looking at these video tours. They're amazing. And the other great thing about blondin' real estate and blondin' and realestate.com. They go beyond what I think that you may think a typical real estate agency does. They offer you tips through their blogging and their social media outlets. You can meet their professionals online and see exactly who you're working with. It's a really, really cool website. It's a great real estate company, Blondin Real Estate, BlondinRealEstate.com. That's BlondinRealEstate.com.
1: Until you hear from the medical professionals that you don't need to wear a mask because it's protecting it's protecting you from spreading something to somebody else. So if you're in a grocery store and you're wearing a mask and nobody else is, you know, you're a nice person. Well, these other people could be, you know, coughing or sneezing and and wearing a mask will protect you from them. So we all got to do this together. It's kind of like, you know, when the light turns red, you stop. So right. Go out public, put on a mask.
0: <laughs> it's not that hard. It really isn't.
1: So no, and if people are like, oh, this is really hard. And I'm like, yeah, try working in one for 12 hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Come on, people. (laughs) With PPE, you know, I mean, your goggles, you know, something covering your head and a gown. I mean, you know, I get it. I get it. Perspective,
0: though. Seriously, perspective.
1: And then it's Uh, like, okay, do you want to bring this stuff home to your kids? (laughs) Well,
0: and that's kind of the whole conversation in our household when they started to lift the at home orders and, you know, different phases, uh, back in May, I I remember somebody asking, you know, what are you guys doing? Are you going out more? um, No, we're not going out more. We are until we feel completely Mm -hmm. safe because we do have two little ones at home. We have a, uh, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. We also have parents that are getting older that we don't want anything to happen to them either with just so many factors. You just, you, you know, right now we talk about our immediate family. Like if my husband is going to go do the grocery shopping, he's taking all of his precautions. And when he's doing that, he's automatically thinking, okay, I don't want anything to happen to my wife and to my two kids. Mm -hmm. And then that trickles to everybody else. So that's, that's the concept. It's not about just, getting out, we have a lot of work to do. So I guess let's talk about COVID. It's July 1st. Where do you see this going? Because I remember uh, probably, it was probably March, I had talked to one of the nurse practitioners at my OBGYN. Mm -hmm. And we talked about Coming in for just, you know, a, my my regular pep. And she said, please do not call here until June or July. I said, Really? <laughs> and she said, absolutely. She said, at least. And then we'll talk. And at first, I got off the phone and I was like, June or July? What are you talking about? And then starting to pay attention to things. And now it's July 1st. And Life is not 100% back to normal. So let's talk about the future and where we are right now, too.
1: Yeah, and um, I don't know that we know if and when life will get back to what we called normal, which was before the pandemic. And so that's my if part in the sentence, because I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to walk around Mask-free and uh, and and without social distance. I mean, certainly the development of a vaccine is going to play a great big role. And people who are old enough to remember um, mumps and measles and those kinds of things, they certainly didn't have the mortality that that COVID does, and that's one of the reasons that it's just it's so dangerous and. And even if you don't die, a lot of people are getting really, you know, sick and they're going into rehab and things like that. Now, not everybody, but this is a nasty, nasty, nasty disease. And until we're able to nip it in the bud better, you know, with vaccines and things like that, we're going to have to do these very basic things like social distance and masks and wash our hands and... Until we probably have a good year, maybe longer, under our belt to understand this disease more, it will be very telling to see what happens in the Southern Hemisphere because it's hot here in July. And in South America, they're in their fall winter period. So what is it looking like for them? And ah, that okay. will give us some, some insight.
0: So, I mean, there's so many different takeaways with that, but people just do your part. It's not that hard. It really
1: isn't.
0: And just think about people like Cindy and the other nurses that are out and just, oh, just seriously do your part. And I want to go back to the nurses because I want to make sure that we talk about this before I let you go. But with. The nurses. What can we do? And I'm talking about outside of the hospitals, outside of the medical community. Is there anything we can do, general public, to help restore their emotional energy, to help them
1: be in a better place? Well, that's a really good question. And I, I thank you for asking it. I think that when you encounter a nurse or any frontline provider, uh, which again is people who work at the grocery stores, just let them know how they've made a difference in your life. And that can be as simple as saying, thank you for for being here today. <laughs> I really appreciate this. Because now I'm able to go home and I'm gonna be able to cook my family a meal instead of, you know, seven nights of carry out. Uh which, you know, again, that may not be a big deal to, well, it is a big deal to you, but it's it, it's showing them how what they did is making a difference in your life. And everybody wants to matter. And, well, most people, they want to have a purpose. They want to matter. You know, in, in the nursing world, just let us know how what we did helped you. Get your life back, or cope with you know a new situation. Maybe somebody that you love had a stroke and they're paralyzed on one side, but we helped you you know deal with that and not be afraid and not be hopeless to know that while life may be different, there still can be joy, and just letting us know a thank you from your heart.
0: That's well. I I was going to say, going back to how we started this conversation, I knew how important it was to make sure that the right individuals at the hospital where I delivered both of my babies to find out how do I recognize these particular nurses, Mm -hmm. what do I need to do, I made sure that I, even from anesthesiology to aftercare. It didn't matter. Whoever made a huge difference and was compassionate and caring, I made sure that I wrote some sort of email or letter and recognized them because they do need to be recognized. Mm -hmm. The other thing I did, and I'm not saying that this is all the right stuff, but uh, my sister-in-law and her boyfriend are nurses. I said, what can I do? For our first daughter, I sent flowers to the labor and delivery floor, but to me, that doesn't seem like enough. Do you think I, it's okay if I send, I mean, now we're not sending food, but I I sent a a St. Louis basket of all these great St. Louis things. And she's like, that's perfect. She said, any recognition, they appreciate it. They've been through so much, even with, I'm just using labor and delivery. There have been losses and they've seen some awful things. So yes. anything to uplift them and help them you need to do that. So it may be difficult and if you are struggling right now and there's something that you know it's hard for you to think about the nursing staff right now in the future just consider it and and write a letter. I mean, it's just like any kind of you know feedback that you give, this is a big deal. Nurses need the recognition and they need that to uplift their own emotions and their strengths.
1: Well, you know, you're, you're spot on with that. And the American Association of Critical Care Nurses has a six elements to a healthy work environment. And one of them is meaningful recognition. And that's exactly, you know, what you're talking about. And we know from various studies that have been done and some that we've actually done through psychological associates with the Daisy Foundation, big studies, uh, that meaningful recognition does positively have an impact or a positive relationship to, to decrease stress, job enjoyment, and that people that have lower levels of secondary traumatic stress, there's a relationship there with the meaningful recognition. So writing a letter, even sometimes we get letters that people write a year after you know, their situation because they have to heal physically and emotionally. It's never too late to, to write a letter. And I'm in my 37th year of being a nurse, and I have every card and every letter that oh. every patient ever sent to me. And even when I just look at the envelope that they're in, I know that that connects me with why I became a nurse. So when you tell us these stories, your stories, then that's what it does to us is it makes us recognize what we're doing matters and that we're making a difference. Now, with
0: the Daisy Foundation, is that just for hospitals to make the recognition or can the general public go to that? And make recognitions there?
1: It's specific to a hospital, but I can tell you that all of the hospitals in St. Louis have the DAISY Award in place. Okay. All Mercy Facilities, BJC, SSM, all of them uh, utilize the DAISY
0: Award. Now, can individuals make a monetary donation to the DAISY Foundation?
1: They absolutely can do that.
0: Okay. And how would an individual do that? What's the website? TheDaisyFoundation.org TheDaisyFoundation.org All right. Before I let you go, and first of all, I want to say thank you for everything that you have done uh, as a nurse, everything you are continuing to do to support other nurses and what you are doing on the front lines. Anything else that you would like to talk about before I let you go?
1: Well, I just, you know, I'm like all teary-eyed. So we we really do care. And, you know, again, all these accolades have been, you know, the food, the the clapping, all of that has really been very wonderful and overwhelming to us. Because, again, we, we're here to, we just want to take care of you. And we just want to see you heal in whatever way that takes. So please wash your hands. Get a mask. And wear your seatbelt, which has nothing to do with COVID, but it's just a really good idea to wear your seatbelt. And I'm a trauma nurse, so please know that it makes a difference. Uh, I, I welcome all of those
0: suggestions and guidelines. and Just do it, people. Again, mm-hmm. perspective. Cindy, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, Jill. And thank you for the
1: opportunity. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and if you're feeling really generous, write me a review and don't forget to join me next week for a new episode of Two Kids and a Career.